0: Well, hello and welcome. This is Tales from the Secret Cabin. My name is Phil, and I'm really uh, glad to be here. Uh, Who is all with us today?
1: Jenny's here.
0: Jenny, Uh, you're back. You survived.
1: I did. I did. No bee stings. Yes. (laughs) All's well.
0: Glad you're here, Jenny. How are you doing? Good. Okay. Yeah, good. You just told us about running your car almost out of gas? Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. I didn't want to do what a friend has done recently that's here with us today (laughs) and risk it
2: (laughs) (laughs) excellent all right and i am kj and today i am a plumber Um, that's who i've been um there had been uh this pipe that goes from our shower um and is supposed to hook to the plumbing and but it isn't exposed, uh, so, so I don't see it, but I just had this bad feeling that there was something happening, and so I go down in the crawl space to see that the pipe from the shower does not connect to anything, oh, no. and the shower has just been dumping <laughs> into the crawl space <laughs> there under my house, and so um, so I've been trying to get a plumber out, and he's like super busy, and... There are other people I could call, but that's not like who I am. I'm like someone who's like, so if I have someone, this is the only guy. And so I've been going outside. I have a hose that I've been hosing myself. And and finally, today I came to the spot. I'm like, I can't function because of how gross I feel. And so I got a whole bunch of plumbing tools and I began to fix the shower of the plumber. Did you get on YouTube and, yeah, and was watch some s- Yeah, it a bad idea. And so I sent a text to the plumber. I'm like, hey, dude, it's, it's time. <laughs> like You need to get out here. And so he finally called me back. He's going to be here in a couple hours. And, um I'm feeling incredible about that.
1: That happens a lot in our marriage, too, because if I threaten to do it, Paul will get on it right away. So yeah. that's all you I, do. Yeah. I'll yeah. just do it. Right. I got yeah. this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> KG the plumber. We'll go ahead. KG the her. plumber. And
1: you're very high today, too. Like,
0: physically. <laughs> please, please explain, Phys- Jenny. Yeah, no, I'm
1: doing... you're on a stool that's like, <laughs> I, I, I feel that... like you're towering over Oh, that's
0: <laughs> what yeah, you, yeah. you I was like, that's hey, Jenny, yeah. what's wrong with you? You are sitting you? extremely... Uh hi, or at least yeah. comparatively. Okay, yes. that's good. Yeah. Well you
3: came last and so you got the I got the short seat. Exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, we do have a very special guest today. And uh yeah, so Alan, why don't you introduce yourself?
3: Yeah, Alan Kraft. Um just glad to be a part Woo-hoo. of the podcast today. Thanks for asking. You
0: know, we have little to no control in terms of the environment that you get to walk into mm-hmm. and I'm not going to lie. This is a really sticky, a humid. <laughs> uh, KJ had prepared an amazing place, but apparently all the flies liked it. So we had to shut oh, the windows to keep no. the flies out. Um, so you're going to get to endure the cabin in all its glory.
3: Well, it's 102 outside, so it's not 102 in it's here. So no. I'm yeah. no. thankful for that. Thanks, Alan. This... That's a really good perspective.
2: <laughs> but I think think like, something about the cabin experience, though. Like, so our cost began back uh, in October. October and so there's been so it's been hot in here it's been brutally cold oh, it's been yeah. uh, our, our fireplace here has been like kind of over the top and so it's like it's cold outside but super hot inside and, and then it's just been back and forth but it helps create the environment mm-hmm. for the podcast so it's kind of fun to talk about
3: well i feel like the yeah the weather here the last time i was here um I was in your house, a thunderstorm came through. Yeah. And a limb, a branch broke off his tree, oh, laid it wow. on my car. Yeah. We oh. thought it had missed, but then I went and saw... That it actually did scratch things, and uh, so it only cost me my whole deductible just being out here. So, yes. notice yes. I parked not under that tree this time. I was so. kind of
2: hoping that he was going to say so every time he saw that scratch, he thought of me, he prayed for my family, it turned into a spiritual practice. And I, yeah, so no, no,
3: huh? no it cost me.
1: <laughs> oh,
2: sorry, man. i sorry, he parked b- yeah.
3: a block away, basically. Yeah. Yeah,
0: <laughs> other, other
1: thoughts come to it, yikes.
0: Oh, right. okay, so. You mentioned last time you were here, last time you were in the cabin or last time you were at KJ's house?
3: I came by KJ's house. We hung out okay. Saturday afternoon. Uh, probably it was last summer, I think. Yep. And uh, got some Slurpees and came over. With, nice. With, I think the, did Josh come yeah, too? Yeah. He yeah, Josh and I came over and we hung out. And uh, yeah, it was really fun. I got the whole tour of the place. Okay.
0: Wow. So either thinking back to that moment or thinking in this moment right now, like what do you think of when you think of this cabin? What do you experience? We always love just people who come in here not as often as we've been in here and just get their yeah. take on things. What's the cabin to you?
3: I love it. I mean, I just even as we were kind of getting ready here, I just there's such a sense of peacefulness here. And um on this whole really this whole property, KG's done a great job with all the spaces in his house and outside of his house, these environments. And this is one of them that's, yes, really cool. Nice. All yeah. Right.
0: Well, yeah. Well, just for people who don't know you, obviously we three know you really well. But for people who don't know you, who is Alan Kraft?
3: Yeah. So I, um, I'm i a father of four kids um i've my wife and i Raylene, we've been married for 30 32 years next week actually we oh, celebrate wow. happy anniversary yeah thank you um and so I have four kids we've lived in greeley for 31 years and love it um and what brought us out here was the church christ community so we uh we moved out in 1990 um, uh, to, I, I moved out, uh, we came out, but I, I was hired as the, the pastor, the only pastor at that time, uh, of, uh, it was called first evangelical free church, but, uh, we changed the name, um, in 1994. So we have been in Greeley. I've been in that position of senior pastor for 31 years. And, um, that's, uh, obviously a, an important part of, my life, I also enjoy reading, I enjoy playing golf, and I enjoy our dogs, we have two dogs that I love and um, take walks with Raylene, those dogs, and um, my son Josh is still at home and he's a lot of fun. So that's kinda my life in a nutshell.
0: How, how long have you lived where you're currently living? Has it been all 31 oh, years? Yeah.
3: No, we moved to an apartment, someone, um, someone got us an apartment Un- unseen. We just moved out and they found us an apartment. Um, and so we moved right into that for a year and then we bought a house, um, for $61,000. Nice, Yes. <laughs>
1: Steel. Uh, yes.
3: Um, and then it was about 20. It's when my, my wife was pregnant with Caleb. So 24 years ago that we, uh, moved into our, okay. our current house. Yeah,
0: When you think back to, and I'm trying to put my math together here, so early 90s Greeley, what do you miss about early 90s Greeley? (laughs) Or what has changed that stands out to you?
3: Huh. That's, um, I mean, I, I don't know if I really miss anything. I really like...
0: Outside of $68,000 houses.
3: Exactly. That's one thing. <laughs> Definitely miss is the cost of housing. Um, but we, you know, we loved Greeley then. We just, we loved the church context, the neighborhood feel of Greeley. Maybe, it, you know, it's kind of, I feel like it's lost that a little bit. It still has much more of a neighborhood feel than some other cities that will go unnamed um, in this general area, but... It's, uh, yeah, it, it's starting to have a little more of, you know, a larger feel where you'd go to Walmart and no one would, you wouldn't see someone, you know, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, but we still love it. Yes.
2: I actually think that's fantastic <laughs> that it's finally at the point that I can go out somewhere and I don't have to say hi to anyone. I know. I
3: agree. <laughs> <So I'm> not, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was just sort of an indicator. It's not necessarily yeah. something that I look forward <laughs> to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's okay. It's all right to be vulnerable and saying, sometimes
2: I just try to hide in public. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. yeah, the mask wearing wasn't so bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one knew it was me.
0: <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, again, I, I've got a ton of questions, so you guys just jump in in terms of, of where this can go. But you, just a few things you rattle off there, like you're a father, you love golf, you you know, take these walks around your neighborhood, those kinds of things, but specifically the golf. Like, again, I, I don't know if people fully understand. When you say, oh, I play some golf, like, describe your story of golf, because I think it's a little <laughs> bit more than most uh, most people.
3: Yeah, it probably is, um, for good or for <laughs> ill. Um, all for good. Well, yeah. Eventually. So but I <laughs> eventually, maybe. But
2: probably everyone who is kind of, like, all into golf golf they all say that it's like a yeah i don't know if this is a good thing but you know i'm a, like i hear that all the time from yeah that's people probably who true golf so just own it go well, for it it's yeah. good
3: well i think people choose sports based it ends up being like your personality you know what i mean it fits your personality really well yeah. even though that's at the time you're not thinking that but you just sort of I and mean, that's the way golf is for me because Golf is a sport where you can continually improve various things. And I'm always, this part of my personality, it can always be improved. And so part of me loves that about golf because I'm, you know, subscribed to these, these, uh, you know, video, these thousands of videos on these websites or whatever and, and showing different shots and all this stuff. And I just kind of eat that stuff up. So that I really enjoy about golf. And I did. I think I, I probably started playing when I was five years old. My dad would drop me off um, when he'd go to work at eight o'clock, and I had some friends, and we would just play for hours. And, um, so, golf so was then, your daycare? Mm, was kind saying, of. How,
1: how old wow. were you?
3: Probably in that five, six year old. Wow. Yeah. So, then I was playing in these tournaments, and, you know, it was junior golf and stuff. And that group of, guys then that the group of us ended up going to high school we won the state championship at our 6a in in kansas um and then i i started playing on the golf team at k-state just and then i was trying to do engineering at the same time and there was just no way i could do that so i quit probably within the first week and a half um but technically, uh, was on a. Did you uh, pick
0: K State for the golf team? No. Okay.
3: No, there was maybe a little tiny scholarship. Golf, it was so different. Sports back then was so different. I mean, now it sounds like such a big deal. Back then, I mean, it was not a big deal. They didn't have a very good team, and I maybe got a $500 scholarship or something, and they didn't do weightlifting in the offseason. And I mean, it's now it's crazy, but this was way, this was a long time ago. So. And then when we had kids, it was just too expensive, too time consuming. So I didn't, I played maybe once a year for that whole 20 year period, maybe a few times maybe, but that whole 20, whatever period of time, 20 years. And then recently reconnected, maybe five years ago, um, three of the kids were out of the home and more time and um, an invitation from a friend to join Eaton country club and and that really reconnected me with this this hobby that i um had put on a shelf for a long time and and now yeah so now it's really life-giving and um um building relationships you know getting to know people outside of my typical context so yeah i'm really i do enjoy golf usually it's therapeutic for me so
1: does raylene like golfing
3: she does not.
1: So it's your thing.
3: It's my That's thing. That's cool,
1: though. That's good.
3: All right. So, so
2: tell me the thing that golfing brings to the the heart that you. I mean, like, I am. So I have people that will say, "How do I have time to hunt?" or "How do I have time to?" And it's like, "Well, I have to. If I didn't, then I don't know who I would be as kind of everything else." Mm. Is that how golfing is for? for you,
3: I don't know if I would put it quite that way for me. I mean, it really, I didn't have much of a hobby outside of, you know, just work and family. And so as the kids grew out of the home, it was this, you just not, you know, i wasn't a place where I just had anything that I enjoyed doing right. the you know, for the most part. And so golf became that, um, kind of an outlet. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like it's, it's probably that for me, it can become a little bit of an obsession. And I do know, I mean, there are other golfer friends like me that it can become this, the dark side of it is kind of this perfectionistic performance oriented thing, you know? And I don't, I don't like when it becomes that I do like to improve and grow and get better, but I don't at some level, like I don't like competition in a, in a weird way. And so, um, but I, I think I've found a balance that, you know, works for me. Yeah. Um, and, and I do find all sorts of spiritual analogies. I feel like with just, um, identity and performance, cause golf is a very, it's a very individual sport and you kind of are being watched by other people when, you know, and so yeah. there can be a lot of pressure and so it becomes sort of this opportunity to kind of step into those places that I have wrestled with even in my own life in general. Yeah. Golf becomes a microcosm of that, that it's okay if I miss this two-and-a-half-foot putt. You know, it, you know that kind of um, experience of failure or, you know, not always performing. You know, so golf becomes a, almost a laboratory for me to... <laughs> to practice soul issues beyond the game itself.
0: I love that. Yeah. I Well, even just hearing your story and hearing you process that I'm wondering in that 20 year gap between Alan, the golfer in college and Alan, the golfer now, how much that changed almost so that you re-engaged golf. I mean, obviously there's some practicalities, right? Kids are out of the house and maybe there's more time to do this, but at the reality too, it, it that's been a part of your journey. And so I don't know. I just, I, I just, I mm-hmm. was the question rolling in my head. Like, wow, Alan the, ooh, Alan, the golfer now is way different than Alan, the golfer in college.
3: Yeah. And I think that's my life in general. I, I lived for a long time with a drivenness to perform and wasn't aware of it. And so it was weird to step back into golf where I'm like, wow, when I played before, I was not aware of the pressure that I put myself under mm-hmm. And just that need to perform and all that, and so suddenly twenty years later, when I'm coming back into this sport, it's like wow, there is I'm seeing it differently. There is a ton of pressure There can be, and and seeing how wow I didn't recognize that before, and now I do. Um, and so I would agree. It it uh, I certainly play with a more of an awareness of the mental part of the game and the, the pressure, you know, trying to, Mm. to not live under that. Do you enjoy it more now Um, versus then? I think so. I think so. Um, I, I probably, yeah. Earlier it was more about tournaments and stuff. Now it's, I think it's more about relationships in some respects. And so that's good. Um, and so I'm able to kind of still try to improve on my own, watch videos, practice things, but it's not to go out and win these tournaments. You know, I, I play in a couple tournaments maybe, but, uh, in a summer, but it's, yeah, I think I do enjoy, um, enjoy it more for that reason. The goal is not the same.
1: Hmm. You said therapeutic. You said the word therapeutic. What What, like, if you could pick out a piece, like, what makes it therapeutic for you?
3: Is it alone? Is it with... Well, that's a good question, because sometimes I think it is, but then in reality, it's probably not. You know, introverts Mm -hmm. tend to think that being alone is more therapeutic, but um, Mm -hmm. then we realize that it's actually connection. Mm -hmm. It's, we still need connection with others. And so I probably still... um, um, I I do enjoy, there are aspects of it I do enjoy like by myself or whatever going out and just the scenery and the, um, just enjoying the setting, you know, and enjoying playing, but there are aspects that I, I really, I do long for, probably for even more relational connections in that context. And I think that's also therapeutic and important, just relationships outside of my, you know, work environment. That's good. Yeah.
0: I was uh, thinking too, as you were talking, and it might've been a couple of years ago, so I don't know if this is still happening, but you had mentioned before, you shared some stories where Josh has gone golfing with you. And so when I think about the difference in the people you connect with on the golf course, uh, taking Josh to the golf course <laughs> is a unique experience, but I think it highlights what you're talking about. So I love just, and again, I don't know if anybody has yes. heard stories, uh-huh. but what's it? What's that like with your son? and? Just kind of how that has played into what you're just saying about kind of a new appreciation for connection via golf rather than yeah. perfection.
3: Yeah, Josh is 20 years old. He's, um, you know, has some significant special needs. So we have, he'll be living with us for as long as probably were alive. So he you know, he's probably a, cognitively maybe it's 6 years old or something. He's nonverbal, but he's has a very highly developed sense of humor um, and he communicates <laughs> yes, in various ways. Um, and he's our only extrovert out of 6 of us. He's the only extrovert. And so um which creates a interesting dynamic in and of itself at any kind of public gathering. But um, Josh he, he he really has been good for golf for me because he is really slow and I like to play fast I like to walk fast I like to you know hey we can get nine holes in an hour and 20 minutes. That'd be awesome. And, you know, so Josh goes really slow. It takes him forever to put a T in the ground. He'll maybe put four or five in. He likes to intentionally hit into sand traps. Um, <laughs> more of a challenge. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> so that's been, that's been really good. I feel like in terms of, cause he's the polar opposite of any kind of performance or any kind of hurry. And that's the part of me that I these things I want to work on and feel like I am trying to work on in my own life is sort of slowing down and just enjoying the moment and not having to play for a score. You know, those are things that golf fits well with me, but it also can sometimes feed those those parts of me. Um, and so Josh has been a, a really bl- a challenging and yet um, significant addition to my experience of, of golf. I wish he liked it more, honestly. He doesn't... It's it's hard sometimes to get him out there. I have to bribe him with a frappe from McDonald's or something um, to get him out of the house, you know, to go hit balls with me. Um, but when we get out there, I let him drive the cart, and he thinks it's hilarious to you know, drive into a bush, you know, so that I get hit with the limbs and everything. So we have a lot of fun when I can finally get him out there.
1: I think you could have a YouTube channel just on. (laughs) That
3: would be really really good. good.
1: That's a great idea.
3: Well, it was like the first time I ever went out there with him first hole. And he he'll sometimes will prompt me to tell this story. But (laughs) we were in the first hole. And I had my range finder, which is, you know, it, it's a yardage thing you hold in your hand and you scope the, you know, you hit the button and it tells you how far out you are. And I was like, hey, Josh, why don't you try this? And he was sitting in the passenger side. I was in the driver's side and I had him. I was kind of teaching him how to use this thing. And then I started driving and I turned a sharp left and wasn't realizing that he wasn't hanging on to anything. And so the next <laughs> thing I know, he has completely fallen out of the cart <laughs> and and my first reaction was to look around to see if anyone saw what just oh, happened. Funny. Um but now he he was fine, he dusted himself off. but now then he enjoyed it when I would tell the story mm-hmm. to other people. And so now he prompts prompts me to tell that story tell a lot. The oh, it was it was so funny.
0: <laughs> so where where are you hoping to take your either golf game or golf experiences? Um Is it just something, hey, I like the rhythm I'm in and this is what I want to do? Or are there things you're looking towards, whether it's, again, personal experiences or types of changes or what? I don't know. Hmm. Like, where does this go for you then?
3: Yeah, um, I think I've had some back issues this summer. And so I'm actually sort of learning to swing a little differently, which has Hmm. been interesting um, and and enjoyable where I'm not swinging as hard. And um and that's, that's good for me. It's kind mm-hmm. of a slower, um, more of a tempo um, thing, which works in golf. Um, and so that's been kind of fun to explore that a little bit. I'd like to, and I, I'm gonna be forced to continue to kind of, I think, do that um, to be a little easier on my back. Um, I'd love to break par. I don't, I can't remember if growing up, I'm sure I did, Um, um, I don't remember enough about my scores then, but that's a goal that I have to, to actually break par uh, out there at Eaton. My best is like 71, Mm. I think. Um, so that would be par though, right? 71 would be, okay. Yep. 71 Uh, is par. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's a goal. And I, you know, I play in a couple events out there. I can play in the seniors league now, so that's kind of that's a little nice. (laughs) So not twenty-year-olds that are hitting it like four (laughs) hundred yards. So that's a little more my my speed. Um, The seniors, so so there will be a few tournaments that I can play in there.
0: Top three bucket list courses that you have Mm -hmm. not played yet, but you want to.
3: Well, there is mainly just one. Um, It's it's St Andrews in Scotland. I mean, I I think I just I want to yeah play the the course where golf you know started my dad and brother went out there uh, a few years ago and played it so that's something that i'd like to do someday and Rayleigh would like to go to scotland sometime so i think maybe we could figure something out yeah man as soon as he brought that up i'm like i, I gotta somehow get get, get to scotland. scotland. we gotta do this <laughs> we'll find a way <laughs> that's a, like yeah so, Is that
0: something where it takes multiple years to even get on the list to play?
3: Well, I actually saw a YouTube video someone share with me where you can go individually. Okay, and and this was really helpful because otherwise they make you buy the whole package and you got to play all three courses and all that stuff. But they have a whole deal where you just show up if four five o'clock in the morning. And there are all these individuals is waiting in line. And then they put you in a group of like three or two. And I was like, well, I could do that. Do that. yeah." And so yeah. I wouldn't have to do the whole golf package thing. Um, and we could go, she wants to, you know, really would like to see just some castles and those kinds of things in that area. So I think we could probably make it work, um, at some point. The problem with that is I tried this In November, when you, when you play with rented clubs, it's just not a great experience. You know, when you, you get golf clubs. So so explain that a
2: bit. I mean, like for the people who don't golf, I mean, like part of me here, I'm sitting here thinking, I think like. How I f- feel at this point is how other people feel if I'm talking about hunting. Like yep. I have no idea how to start saying
1: Would you rent a boat? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly.
2: Like explain.
3: That's that. what it is. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're fitted for clubs, and I've got these ping irons that I love and and you know, was kind of fitted for. And then you go travel and they give you these clubs you've never used right. before and they're not as high a quality, probably. And that was brutal. And so you
1: would have to take your own.
3: Yeah. And I don't know about doing that overseas and I've heard horror stories of people's clubs being yeah. broken and all that stuff. So who knows, but, um, that's probably the main bucket list. I do want to get up to red feather and play the, uh, there's a course up there that's kind of exclusive. Um, and then there's another course actually in Colorado. That's very exclusive. Uh, they don't, I mean, you have to have caddies and, it's like you almost have to helicopter in oh, not oh quite but I mean, it's you very that exclusive that sounds it's fun. Ballyneal or something okay. like that i think and i've been invited once and i couldn't do it that day so there are a couple around colorado that i'd like to that i'd like to play
0: okay yeah all right well outside of golf what what else is getting some of your focus attention um, i know you're you getting to play cornhole much no. Okay.
3: Last time I played, my daughter beat me and that was really frustrating. No. <laughs> so, she's really good actually. Aaron is really good at this. Um, I've trained her too well. No. Um, <laughs> I haven't, you know, I've been doing some, yeah, some reading that's been pretty fun. Yeah. Um, for me. So, what have you been reading? Yeah, I've been reading some stuff about the brain, brain and theology and how Um, our brains actually, well, typically, basically how so often in the church world, we approach discipleship through a left brain paradigm. Um, and so it's all about content. It's all about information. Um, it's all about strategy and, you know, that kind of thing. And reading some books that talk about the right brain and how, um, an approach to spirituality, um, or discipleship that is more whole brained where it's not like, Oh, I'm a left brain person or I'm a right brain person. No, the idea is we use, we are to use both the both sides of our brain in our, in our spiritual journey. And so seeing those connections has been really fascinating. And so I'm like reading three books right now at the same time on kind of different facets of this in terms of, um, Um, connection with other people and and the way our brains are wired for joy and things like that. And so that's actually been really fun at a personal level, but also kind of thinking about that at a broader level too, in terms of church and relationships and stuff.
1: It's funny, uh, you led us through a practice, a joy practice and everything. And I'm interested to hear what what was yours? Who's the us you refer to? Sorry, I'm yeah, staff. Sorry about that. Uh, led uh, our staff through this this practice. Um, that was really cool. Um, asking us to kind of think about you know something that happened. I think it was in the last week or something that brought you joy. Um, but I'm interested what what yours was. Hmm. What was your joy?
2: really um, explain that. His joy is it like Peter Pan saying, "How do I fly? Think of a happy thought." <laughs> Tell me your happy thought, Alan. That's
1: <laughs> exactly what it, it is. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> what was the thing? The happy that, thought. Yeah, that you think back and such. So that we were
0: all sitting thing. at tables, yeah. Yeah. and Alan sure. asked the individual tables to go around the table and, and talk about an experience of joy that you could think of. So yeah. she's asking you when you were yeah. at your table, yeah. what was the experience that you shared with those at your table?
3: Right. The, the idea was that when... Um, I'm trying not to answer that. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, okay. But uh, the <laughs> we idea get a long was that now, get yeah, to this answer. <laughs> that when we 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 can practice joy, and so by thinking about something, even in the last few days, that was a joyful experience. And a lot of times, the way joy is defined in these books, according to the way our brain is wired, is that it's a relational attachment. It's a relational connection. It's a being delighted in. So when you divine joy that way, it's not just happiness. It's actually experience this, experiencing this relational connection where someone, yeah. you delight in someone or they delight in you. And that that's how we as humans are wired. So the idea is that if we think about something like that, which I had the staff do, and then I had them actually feel Feel that so relive it in their mind, because according to brain research, when we relive it, we experience in our our brains experience it as if it's happening again. And so there's the power of that just in terms of experiencing joy. And then the third part of that was I had them share it because there's something about sharing that then with another person that. Um, we relive that and other people kind of relive that. And so, um, so this is pregnant, overly spiritual and it wasn't intended to, but actually what it, what had happened to me, this was a Tuesday. What happened to me Sunday morning, I got up early. I've been getting up early because of my back and trying to do some walking. So I walked, it was like five 30 sun is just coming up. It's this beautiful kind of path near our house that just very, there's a, a, the retention pond and there's water in it right now and so you just see the reflection it's just really nice the mountains and everything and there was this guy laying there with a bicycle and a backpack and i walked past him initially on the the trail and then on the way back he was, I think, he was just smoking a cigarette or something and just looking at the sunrise. And and um, on the way back, I started to talk with him, and um, heard a little bit of his story. He was coming from Cheyenne, and this bike was given to him by some firefighters and um, some fire people in uh, in Cheyenne. They, you know, that was something that had been, you know, uh, law enforcement has these lost bikes or whatever bikes that are never um, claimed. And so he had somehow ridden here and, um, and, and so it was, he was talking about, man, I just, I, I wish I could mow someone's lawn cause I just need some money. I'd, I'd love a hot breakfast. And, um, and, uh, so I was like, man, I'm sorry. I just mowed my lawn yesterday. And I was like, how long are you going to be here? And he said, Oh, I'm, I'm not in any hurry, you know? And, uh, he talked about going over to Walmart by nine. If he got there at nine, there are some vouchers for showers or something that the vonplex or, or whatever. Rex really? Or. I could actually take advantage of that. Yes, yeah. you, could. Uh. you could, it's a little late today, but tomorrow be there at nine. So, but he, he was just, you know, so he was like, yeah, that I, I I'll, I'll be yeah. here. And so I was like, well, Hey, let me, let me run home and just see if, see what I, what I got around the house. And so, as I was walking back I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna cook him a a hot breakfast and so I I got five like five eggs scrambled I'm running around just trying to grab any food I could scrambling these eggs it's now like six o'clock in the morning this is against Sunday when I'm, I'm gonna preach in a few hours or whatever but um so I'm scrambling this breakfast and put some toast on and then got some granola bars and all this stuff and and I'm, you know, hurrying back because I didn't, wanted to make sure he was there and the food was warm and everything. And so it was just, it was one of those joy moments of just kind of connecting, provide, meeting this guy here in his story and then providing this hot breakfast. And he just was devouring it. And you could tell this was like, just a, I don't know, it was just a cool experience, right? Of connection and joy. Um, and so that just kind of made my day. It was like, that was really fun to be able to one help him, but also to connect with him. So that was sort that was the story that I told around my, my Man, table.
2: That's good. Um, it's, it's, it's fun to hear that. It's encouraging to hear that. And it brings joy to hear that. And like, um, here, here's something I'm I'm thinking about is, um, there are those passages that are in the Bible that to talk about. So, so like, don't like, share the things you're doing because <laughs> God's going to give you the gift in the end like the whole like b- bragging thing. However, at the same time, there's this idea that by sharing those types of things, it's not bragging, it's like bearing testimony to the things that God has done mm-hmm. and it brings you joy. How do you separate that out? Because that's that's something I also have a hard t- 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 time like doing because there are so many things that God is doing all the time. And then it's like, but if I talk about it, I feel like I'm bragging. Yeah. How do you separate that out? Well, because I know. Well, we've talked it about it because this is
3: the Sermon on the Mount that we've been working on. The chapter six, Jesus focuses a lot on that. Um um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly. She asked me. That's why I told her. Yeah, it, no, I, I wasn't going to tell it. So you know, it wasn't But there's like,
2: power in bearing testimony, absolutely. right? And, and to bear testimony it's saying, here's what God's done. And yes. I get to participate right. in that. Let, yes. me, let me
0: throw out a tagline and see if this connects with what you're saying. Cause I heard somebody say this a few weeks ago. Uh, the difference is make sure I get it right. Uh, not to do good in order to be seen, but it's really good to be seen doing good and it was an interesting perspective about the power of testimony that's what you're saying yeah, right yeah. it's it's mm-hmm. how it encourages us to to share joy to share the things yes. that God is doing in our life and. And there's something about the seenness of that that's really good. But my motivation, if I'm doing that for the purpose of being seen, then it becomes the performance stuff. It's also what you're talking about earlier with your golf game. Yeah. So I don't know. That was That's just what connected when you said that, KJ. It's
3: true because I wasn't I wasn't sitting there like, hey, this is going to make a great sermon illustration. So I'm going to run home and No, I mean I'm sorry. I
2: mean like it's like so I talk to you all the time, and I probably talked to you that Sunday. And just the idea that I'm sitting here a whole bunch of time past that and I'm hearing about cooking eggs for some guy from Cheyenne who rode on like bike before you <laughs> preach a sermon on Sunday. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's magical. Hmm. Um, and it's, yeah. it's just good to hear and share those things. It and, is. And it's
3: a weird, yeah. you're right. There's a part of, it's a weird, there's a weird part of us that's, oh, I can't, I can't share that. Right. Because yeah. then I'm, um, Yeah. You know, but it is about motive and it's. And I think there's heart something, well, it's from this brain research too. There's something that multiplies the joy, even in us when we, when we share it, um, and they in the, in the sharing itself that actually brings joy. And then it brings joy and encouragement to the people at the table. And so that's where we begin to create a culture of joy by sharing these things. Um, and our heart again is just look what God did, you know, and look what, I got to be a part of partnering with him and, and this guy blessed me, you know, that kind of a thing. So, yeah. And so is
2: there like something there that it's, it feels kind of like um, that God gave you the opportunity to participate uh, in something fantastic compared (laughs) to there is something broken here. And then I had the opportunity to fix it. It's more like, that this feeling of God prepared this place that I got to experience a part of the gospel and that brought me joy.
3: Yeah. That's a cool perspective. And I think the other thing that I had gotten up pretty early. And so I having margin, I knew I had some margin, like this is sort of my exercise now. At least it has been lately just walking and not the things I used to do just because of my some of my back stuff. And so I kind of it, it was interesting where I knew I had some margin before I had to get to church because I had started walking so early. And I wonder if there's an analogy there uh, where when we live our lives so I gotta get from this appointment to next appointment and next appointment and everything we're always there's no margin yep. in our lives we don't have the opportunity to stop and ask someone their story. That's so good. Um, and so in this case, I was able to partner with God, but probably because there was some margin built into my morning that allowed me to to go there. Yeah.
1: I think there's something, too, about setting the table and allowing the permission with friends and people that you know to disclose these, these God moments and these moments so that you don't feel like, you you basically allow yourself to rid the baggage of that I'm bragging, but it's like no, I'm celebrating with you, yeah. you know
2: is there okay in that term, okay, I gotta be kind of vulnerable here a pet peeve I think pet peeves say a whole bunch about people. <laughs> a pet peeve that I have is the term like a
1: god.
3: Moments. moments
2: or God's sightings uh-huh. or, um, stuff like that. Like, Oh, you, you know, God is so hard to find. And then he just passes by. Really Who saw God, you know, <laughs> no, or good. he showed there was up. This, there was this <laughs> tiny little moment <laughs> oh, oh, that God showed up. Who wants to talk about it? Uh, because for me, I, I think it's like the opposite. It's like, we... did Jenny show up Yeah. Mm-hmm. because God's, he is the always constant. Maybe um, we
1: should call them Jenny moments. Yeah,
2: <laughs> Jenny sci- sighting. Jenny's like she showed Jenny, up. Jenny's heart finally show up for ten <laughs> seconds. Who can tell the story of that? Oh, this or, is so
1: true. Do you know what I mean? Oh,
2: and so, like for for Alan to cook the eggs, that's yeah. the the Alan sighting. Like his heart got to show mm. up, so he's experiencing joy it's so it isn't God showed up he's been there he, he's like i mean, like, here the
1: whole time
3: yeah it's
2: like and it's those times that our hearts show up that's like joy joy because it's it's participating in the things that God has been doing I don't know I get oh, excited about no,
1: that that's so good that's gonna that I just I've sh- I've yeah. gone I'm on that train now yeah like, it's not God no 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 Okay.
0: <laughs> Well, okay, so Alan so you're on this journey of joy or you're experiencing this through some of these readings, but but the fruit of that is this experience of presence and joy. Obviously, there's things you're having to either intentionally leave behind or think through in order to experience this more. So what are some of those things that that you're not rejecting but you're you're saying no to in order to say yes to this journey?
3: Yeah, I think. Um Joy is a practice, um, and, and gratitude and appreciation are an intentional part of that. Mm-hmm. And, and so I feel like I'm learning that it is my default can be sort of negative and focusing on what I don't like or what didn't happen or things that aren't really healthy for me, honestly. And they, they kind of rob me of this, this joy. And so that's really where this, this idea of practicing, you know, gratitude in the sense that we were just talking about to actually think about the last 24 hours. And when did I experience a connection that brought joy to my heart and life? Mm. Um, that that's an intentional practice, right? That I think we then can build on. And then we recognize, for me, some of this writing talks about this idea of we all have this relational circuit in our brain that's either on or off. And when it's on, we make eye contact, we're curious towards people, we have time for people, we listen, that kind of thing. But we all know when our relational circuit's not on, You know, we're stressed. We're not going to make eye contact because we got to go do something else. You know, all these kinds of things. So the intentionality of just recognizing, wow, I think um, I unintentionally or was unaware of how I can be my my relational circuit can be off and not even really do anything to kind of get it back on again. And what joy am I kind of missing if joy truly is found in connection. Hmm. Um, and so that's probably where I've been kind of thinking and trying to focus more and more in my own time with the Lord and also in, with other people is what would it look like to share, to remember, to share together, um, that moment of appreciation or gratitude. Um, and, and let that be more and more of where my mind Is focused rather than um, the other. It's great.
0: Uh, I keep seeing Josh playing golf every time you talk. (laughs) I keep seeing
1: him fall out of a cart. Well, exactly.
0: (laughs) But the the point is the like that story is the embodiment of what you just said. Uh It is. He Uh shows up relationally engaged. the The relational switch is flipped. He's always that way, but he's also pursuing joy Hmm. in five tease and hitting towards the sand and playing a different game than the rest of us, basically. Yep. But he's living life to the full in that moment. But
3: yeah, that's such a great perspective, because I do think Josh lives in um, joy and relational connection in a way that I don't. And and um, that's a really cool um, reminder to me that it's not Oh, Josh has special needs and we're trying to help him. It's like, he is a gift to our family. He's a gift to me. And God actually wants to teach me something through the way Josh lives and the way he engages with people and the way he lives in the present moment. And he's definitely not in a hurry. I mean, those things, um, are, I think you're right, Phil, that that's a way just becomes a a way for me to be inspired and helped to live the way that God wants me to live.
0: All right, this is going way too fast, but I think we're there. Alan, thank you. Yeah. Oh, thanks we'll have to so do much. It again. This was fun. Yeah, this was we're so gonna much fun. We're going to bring a fan next time we do yeah. this, so I promise you that. Keep the air moving. I think
1: uh, KJ needs to find
3: out it, <laughs> it,
2: it added to the experience, though. All of us are like sweating I'm together, finding as
0: much joy as possible. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys are all in
3: shorts, and I had to record a sermon today, so I'm in uh, long yeah. sleeve shirt and <laughs> long pants. But welcome to the good. secret oh, cabin. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the sweaty secret cabin.
0: All right, everybody. Until next time. Take care.